Hi there, and welcome to the ATS Podcast with me, Will Brown, and John Soulsby, where we break down chunks of health and fitness information into bite-sized pieces, remove a bunch of the noise, and just leave what's relevant. Uh, today, we're on the first episode of Season 3, uh, Episode 1, which is uh, Beyond Traditional Periodization Models. Uh, I suppose I could start <laughs> defining periodization. Oh god, the nerds are going to hate us. Um... Well, yeah, it's well, yeah. Terms, yeah I was about to say, for, for everyone concerned by listening to this podcast specifically about complicated things being simple, periodization is just how you organize training over the medium to long term, really. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. The nerds will argue for hours on end about the specifics of periodization and what it means versus programming or what it means versus training and everything else, but essentially, periodization is the kind of beyond a week organizing your training as in like it's... if you don't have a training plan that extends beyond the next seven days or even worse if you just walk into the gym and you're like i think i'm gonna hit chest today like you probably could use some periodization is that is that technically a plan though if you walk into the gym every day and hit chest i mean it sounds like a plan not like a very good plan <laughs> but like it's a plan um... if you're if your goal is to have a eventually like in the in the short term uh, a very a very stimulated and fatigued chest and then in the long term like a very overtrained chest sure sounds good uh, but yeah i do think it, it's essentially a word made up so that we sound better <laughs> it's rather just like oh yes yeah i can't i can't remember my my specific exercise science history of who first coined the term but it is it refers to the kind of um, medium to long-term planning of sports training specifically around <clears throat> like a competition or event, like yeah. typi typ typically in periodization. And this is why hypertrophy is kind of uh, isolated from the benefits of periodization and actually doesn't really seem to show uh, specific benefits for like when, when compared to non-periodized um, hypertrophy training, it doesn't really seem to come out with a whole lot of other benefits. Strength training, on the other hand, massively impacted by periodization. Like, yeah. <laughs> outcomes in strength training, power, speed, pretty much any other fitness quality, massively, <laughs> massively detrimental to not periodize uh, in the long term for specific performance. Yeah. But, but yeah, essentially, traditional models include, but are not limited to, linear periodization. That's the one everyone's heard of. You essentially take your volume, your intensity, start volume high, intensity low, and over time, essentially decrease one and increase the other, uh, decrease uh, volume, increase intensity towards the competition phase that you are looking towards. It gives you nothing else. Like, there's no other kind of guiding factor on, like, how to manage the nitty-gritty. It's just, like, mm, over time do less volume, do more intensity, then compete. Done. You're like, cool. It's pretty yeah. bare bones, but it is in uh, parallel with general adaptive syndrome. That kind of does work. General adaptive syndrome being the biological principle that people adapt to stress over time. The stress being training. Um... Modern periodization stuff, undulating periodization is made, is quite popular now. It's like made quite a bit of a surge uh, mm -hmm. from the work from big Mike Zordos. Uh, I believe, I can't remember if he originally coined the idea, but you, you essentially 
in the same way where you alternate the or you what would be the word you essentially work those two variables toward each other over time in an undulating model you essentially it's almost like two wavelengths that hit opposite amplitudes where if intensity is high volume is low but you take that over a much shorter period of time so like you could do it weekly or daily if you want where if a workout or a session is particularly intense the volume is low and then you have another session that is higher volume lower intensity within the same week and over time you trend all of the variables of those work those workouts up the intensity and the volume over weeks to months but they undulate in the course of a week like a mesocycle which is kind of interesting uh, also, I suppose their mesocycle is another. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the cycles. Like a, a long block of training. So it would be like a week. It would be like. Yeah, it's a month. A month. Yeah. Macro so cycle. Have... Macro cycle, big, annual, yeah. meso, medium, monthly, micro, weekly, small. And yeah, you'll. Uh, there's a whole world of stuff out there. If you're ever like, damn, I really wish uh, I didn't really have to think about my training absolutely every session, but you're also like, mm, don't really want to bother hiring a coach. Like, it can't be that fucking hard. Like, I hung my own pictures. How hard can training be to organize? Uh, feel free to get around and Google periodization and try figure some stuff out. Uh, yeah. Modern periodization is, unsurprisingly, modern, um, which is more so a set of guiding principles in a kind of hierarchical pyramid structure which sounds like a pyramid scheme but it, i mean it kind of is um where you just have tiers of importance of choices essentially it's like a yeah i guess it's kind of like a like a pyramid of like a pr pyramid of priority I'm just trying to get the actual picture up so I could better articulate my thoughts. The um, yeah, it's like a pyramid of priority stuff for what to do and like what choices to make and what things will matter the most with regards to training. And unsurprisingly, consistency and specificity are large. <clears throat> I'm just trying to find a picture of it so I can remember what they all are. Yeah. I just can't rattle them off. But what, what I suppose, just while you're finding that, what I quite like about the modern ones is that it tends to uh, at least feel like you're allowed to press quite quickly, whereas traditional models are like, you do this, you continue doing this until something changes. Off we go. Yeah. By, by nature, linear periodization is very linear, and it's just like, you stay on train tracks, you do not deviate. Yeah, it might as well read boring. And, as no surprise, again, I also cannot remember who came up with it, but I'm pretty sure Eastern Bloc in nature. They always are. Again, isn't overly surprising for a linear periodization. You do this until either you break or you win. Yeah, Mr. Bones is wild ride, you either win or become a skeleton. Yeah. Or both. Damn, the guys have really kind of Google proofed a lot of their uh, a lot of their images. Yeah, I suppose it kind of comes down to like the pyramid, and I know you're trying to find this one, but almost mm. like the hierarchy of. But yeah, 
It's like a hierarchy of trading principles to follow, specificity being the main one, like a kind of continuum that stretches across all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's worth looking into. It's a lot more uh, digestible and answers a lot more. It helps you answer a lot more of the questions that come up when periodizing training over the long term. So if you're like, uh, again, like an amateur runner or like you're like, ah, you did like last year, you did like a couch to 5k and now you're like, I actually feel like kind of doing a 10k and like you either like do an app or whatever. Or this year you're like, I did a 10k last year. I kind of really want to do a marathon. But that seems a lot more serious. Like, how would I, how would I train for that without like just paying somebody to tell me? Obviously, there are apps and stuff, and loads of them will be based around the same kind of idea. But if you want to venture out and do it yourself, you could, and it would be a case of like getting a wee spreadsheet, picking like the date, putting in like the date of the marathon, working out how many like weeks of weeks and months of training you have up until that point, and then organizing your training in a way that allows you to have the best possible performance on the day of the marathon in the specific capacity of running a marathon. Which is where the specificity question usually comes into it. As in, like, really not going to be 1RM squat testing the week before the marathon. Because unsurprisingly, you're not 1RM squat testing. You're, you're not going to a powerlifting competition or anything. You are going to a marathon. So... In terms of the specificity box, you have already missed the boat. If that's what your idea of optimum marathon training is, yeah. like in the in the pre-competition phase, you will likely be doing the competition thing, which in this case is close to marathon distant running, break broken up into some uh, very high volume, uh, very high volume uh, runs and some very intense pace running. Uh, with the likely idea of doing very little running in the couple of days to half a week before the marathon so that you are fully recovered and in the best shape possible to then go on and run a marathon. Yeah. I'm not very I'm not very keen on being able to like I suppose in running it's more about pace though actually. So you could you could on a single distance try and cover that, but I feel like that would destroy you like way too close to the marathon you would need to do that quite far out if you wanted to actually test run marathon stuff and this is where we get into the like the, the nitty-gritty training discussions of like if i had a client doing this i would essentially have to do some kind of testing or some kind of thinking to look into like would that be appropriate like if we do like a single distance like 20 miler three weeks out is that going to be mental like how what's their relative training volume look like close to that well, or I'm going to find out because one of my clients is running a marathon next next when uh, month oh it's next like month yeah I'm... yeah and her last um quote unquote long run which is between 22 and 26 uh, mile almost a marathon is two weeks nice so yeah so, I, I don't know how acclimated she is to kind of long distance I think it's min right it is, yeah. She's <laughs> two weeks ago. She did a thirty-four mile or a thirty-four. Yeah, then she's completely fucking up. Um, uh, she's a hundred percent. Four Fine. weeks ago, she did forty, like, <laughs> like ish. in one go, or just total run volume. Um, it was down as an easy forty. So she, her total for that week was sixty-five. Her total for her two weeks. Yes, one go. That's pretty mental. Forty in one go. Yeah. That's nuts. 
how much the marathon in kilometers? Oh, forty k. I'm gonna based on that, yeah. Right, I was gonna be like forty yeah, miles. Marathon's, is mental. Um, yeah, no, I've uh, marathon's forty two k uh, k. So this is all. Yeah, that no, no, that's again, that sounds reasonable. Like someone, someone who is kind of slowly acclimating up to close to competition distance, and then having because you're kind of weekly total will be much like a decent amount above a marathon so yeah. that i assume when you reduce like you taper down some of the running like close to the marathon her weekly amount will just include like the marathon plus some like recovery based light runs yeah so that like all like residual fatigue is gone we are essentially getting a completely fresh highly trained to go at a marathon this is where like her training it, it just looks wild to other people so on marathon week like literally the day before she for me and i'm sure anyone else listening yeah you're like sat in a car yeah <laughs> on a bike and easy and 10k do not go together let alone pre-marathon yeah. i'm like yeah exactly but that's very similar to let's say powerlifting where like a few days out if you did like 60 percent keep the body like yeah that's my usual my, it's my usual kind of peak week thing i think the only thing i've changed recently that's gonna be interesting because i've got a bunch of people competing is i'm not tapering bench anymore all right so bench is usually kind of uh, bench is like kind of all chat and no trousers quite uh, quite often in our programming like it goes great in training and then competition wise like we don't get the same kind of like ridiculous pbs that we sometimes do on squat and deadlift relative to training so i'm like wonder what's going on and like one of the obvious things pre-competition is that we i kind of taper bench out shorter than um squat and deadlift squat and deadlift depending on the qualification of the athlete usually like five to seven days like if you get some people who are real strong maybe 10 to seven days out for their last like real hard stuff and then they'll just keep things ticking over uh but bench this time i think i'm actually just going to train right the way through like they just get yep. a train like their taper is essentially they drop one bench session close to the comp and just go through warm-ups instead of doing their normal training and then yep. comp bench at comp and we'll see how we go because yeah very interesting to find out yeah loads of the time it has we've only had one person who's had like a proper like nutty bench explosion and i'm like yeah. mm, this needs to change everything else goes fine but like that needs to get fixed yeah um yeah so apart from that small diversion at the end periodization organization of training over time uh definitely required if you want to get better at something uh over time so you can either work it all out for yourselves or you can pay someone to work it out or because you know a bunch of people with loads of experience on how to work it out Pretty good thing to invest in if you care about your trading. Mm -hmm. And we will see you all in the next episode.